Drag climbing often involves being scared. Fear is a, a very prevalent issue. I mean, I often talk about climbing being meditative. To be reveling so elementally in these incredible places is incredibly joyous. You know, you, you're filled with this joie de vivre, you know. It's really a, some of the worries of life sort of lose some of their power, you know, and you, some of those stresses dissipate and it's, it's very sort of cleansing emotionally in a way. You're really in another world. Oh my God. That was Gareth Bird, relaying the stoke when it comes to the experience of one of his biggest passions, climbing. Gareth is a filmmaker, climber, and adventurer. And on this episode, we hear firsthand about the epic films and adventures Gareth has been part of recently. Gareth's stomping grounds are around the big mountains of the Western Cape, and he has cut from a different cloth to the rest of us. Let's just say he's unconventional. I mean, his name is Gareth, but it's spot with three R's. Why have you got three R's in your name? I mean, mostly it's about comedy, right? It's, um, I mean, I always tell people, they say, why have, you, why have you got three R's? And I say, well, just in case one breaks. <laughs> it was just, a, I always found names kind of entertaining. And it's a, one of these things, I think of it as a tattoo in a way, you know, in that everybody feels so locked into their identity. And in a way, it's something to play with, you know. It's like um, an avenue for comedy or uh, personal interpretation. And so I initially, my name's Gareth Lloyd Bird, GLB, and I thought, wow, it would be cool to have a second middle name to make GLOB to be Glob. I thought that would be quite funny. So I went and had my name changed to Gareth Lloyd Onunu Bird, which is just a name I picked out for fun. So I became Glob for many years. And then I thought I'd go back and change the O to a different thing every few years, you know. And so the next time I went back and it was on Chunche. And uh, while I was there, I sort of put two extra R's in my first name as well because I was uh, 32 at the time. So it was this 3-2. Anyway, I was going to keep going back and changing it. But then I sort of fell in love with on Chunche as my middle name. And so now I've just decided to stay as it is. Interesting. And just as interesting is Gareth's adventure into photography and film. These days, Gareth is known for his adventure films, but it all started with travel and photography. I don't know, I've always sort of, I've been drawn to slightly alternative pursuits and wanted to sort of make my own way a bit and felt a little stifled by the opportunities in very formal sectors. And so I always sort of was drawn to things that had a bit more leeway to them, a bit more freedom in terms of your lifestyle choices. And uh, and so, yeah, I got into, uh, um, basically, I think I've, I really fell in love with imagery when I was traveling. As soon as I finished university, I was longing to explore because it's sort of been 
realizing how oppressive the apartheid regime and and the mind space that came with that had been. And so as soon as I had the opportunity, I'd finished university, etc., I, I um, went on a big travel. And while traveling, I was sort of choosing postcards to send back to all my friends and family back home. And, and I just increasingly f- spend more and more time choosing these crazy postcards and this, these powerful images on these postcards and at the same time sort of taking photographs to document my travels and when I came back I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do and and this the idea of the power that these images had over me really held sway and I just spent more and more time taking photographs and um, really just appreciating what goes into powerful imagery and slowly sort of was drawn towards photography, film, making movies and and the power of movies, the power of the story that they tell. I guess the, the, the core of that visual idea that still remains with me today is this idea of sort of majesty, you know? Where you you in this place that's awe-inspiring and it's it's this idea of trying to transmit that emotion. Uh, and the way I've sort of noticed it ripples through into the kind of things that I, images I enjoy seeing or even trying to make is this feeling of this small person in this huge place, you know, or this, the tenuousness of uh, someone in an image or in a situation or in an adventure where um, they're really outside themselves and they're, uh, having to get very close to the core of who they are just to exist in the situation that they're in. What have you worked on recently that you're super proud of and that you've really achieved something magical in? So um, friends of mine, uh, a short while back, in fact, just at the start of COVID, had this uh, plan based on a story they'd heard of of uh, this guy called Bobby Woods who'd decided, no, he was going to try and take three of these huge uh, roots on, on some of the Western Cape mountains and try and stitch them together in 24 hours. And now these are roots up big Western Cape mountains. I mean, we've got some big hills, you know. Not only that, it's but It's like they, rock climbing or scrambling or... Right. Well, they're actually based around rock climbing roots, not super crazy technical difficult, but still staunch objectives. But the other thing about them is that they're very removed from roads. And so each one takes a good two, three hours or more to approach. So you've got this big hike in, and then you've got a big rock climb, and then you've got the descent, which is pretty onerous and wacky sometimes in itself, and then the walkout. And so this guy, Bobby Woods, and, and we're talking now in the 2000s, decided, no, he's going he's gonna to go and try and stitch these three things together. And um, he went out and he, he, he um, had an attempt or two, and then he pulled it off. And so this, this was really quite an impressive feat that, that he achieved. And the, the three routes he picked are, are historically important um, big Western Cape mountain faces, uh, one of which is the Klein Windhoek, which is above Tilbach, which is an incredible route uh, done by a guy called Lont, who was in this incredible climber in the 1920s. 
he put this route up. And so this is a hundred year old route. And at the time when he did it, it was one of the hardest routes in the world. It's, it's incredible to think that someone went up there at that time. Um, another one of the routes is Detroit's on Detroit's peak, which is uh, the mountain above Detroit's Kloof. But the Detroit's Northwest Wall, you don't really see from the road. From the, it's actually the N1, the National Road. You don't see it because it's hidden in a cliff at the back. But it's this gigantic wall back there. And this is another route called uh, Northwest Frontal put up by a guy called Mike Mamakos in 1949 or 50 or something like that, which is, again, just incredible when you get on this wall. It's hard climbing. It's exposed. It's super long. Um, very Im impressive achievements, each one of these. Um, and the third one was a route on the other side of the Detroit Cliff Valley called Exposure in, in F Major, which was put up a little bit later. But again, a really, really big, really impressive, bold route um, with a difficult descent as well. So these were three proud lines. And so um, the thing is that Bobby Woods, when he initially did it, he realized that if he did it with two people, it would just take too long. And so... Uh, in a very bold decision, he decided he was going to do it by himself, solo, without any ropes at all, which is quite bold to do any one of those solo. But then to do all three linked together with all of that running and walking, etc., and and just the sheer fatigue that that puts on you is really quite an incredible undertaking. That is, that is just like mind blowing. Like I've hiked those some of those mountains. Like they all big. <laughs> Very onerous, yeah. So along came um, uh, two guys, uh, uh, friends of mine called Andy Court and and Tiro Iliev, and they had heard rumor of this undertaking, and they decided no, they're going to go and see, you know, how, if it's possible or or like if they could do it too. I just thought, wow, man, this is it's an amazing thing that he did back then, and I'd, this would be a great story to relate these young guys taking on this task um, and, and see how they go, you know. So, so mm. I decided to come on board and, and make a film with these guys about it. And uh, I made a little film called Woods and Peaks. It's a half-hour documentary. And, um, yeah, it's available online. You can uh, – it's available video on demand. And um, it's the story of them trying to see if this is really as remarkable as undertaking as it sounds. When he did this thing, we knew that it was a monster. You compromise the rest of your life quite a lot to achieve one's dreams, I suppose. Have a quick uh, lap up these three peaks, you know. Three rock faces. We're like, oh yeah, this is, this is the thing to do. Climbing at the same time as your partner definitely opened my mind to what is possible on big walls and how fast you can move through terrain. There's a lot of potential to like get fucked. For sure, but I think way less than soloing. You pretty much know you can't fall the whole time. Fucking beautiful. Ale, ale, ale. The sun's setting, but you don't really care. You're still on your mission. Climbing a big wall, fairly dangerous wall at night. That's quite a thing to take on. Quite a thing indeed. Next time you're driving through the tunnels on the N1 by Paul, Take a look at the huge face above Detroit's Kloof Lodge. That's exposure, one of the three routes. Gareth takes us through what it entails to climb a route like this. Once you're climbing, um, there's this sort of background pressure to be efficient, to just to keep moving, you know. 
not that you can't have fun and and it's great, but you can't dawdle if you've got this huge amount of climbing to do because you know you got if you don't get to the top in light, everything's going to slow down and there's sort of this exponential increase. And there's this phrase one uses in climbing or in a few realms, I guess, called an, having an epic. Which means that everything sort of starts, as I say, there's exponential problems that arise. And so you get later and later. And so, you know, maybe someone drops something or your torch battery goes out or the weather moves in or you get lost or your ropes get stuck, etc. And there can be this compounding a uh, uh, um, set of problems which you really want to avoid. Yeah, so 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 it's a little bit different to sport climbing. It's a little bit more intense. It's also in an environment that's a little less forgiving. There's loose stuff. There are unknown elements in terms of the weather. Um, often the route's not as well described just because there's so much of it. You can quite easily go off route. Um, it's not as clear where things go because there's no marker. And so it's it's just a, a much more cerebral experience, I guess you could say. And because of it, sort of fear or nervousness, uh, some kind of sort of slightly anxious feeling sort of trails you slightly. Track climbing often involves being scared. In fact, a lot of the time. Anytime, almost, you could say that you're sort of pushing your limits slightly or even coming close to it, fear is a, a very prevalent issue. Fuck me. Fuck, I'm great. And so much more than sport climbing, where it's much more just about your physical performance, track climbing becomes a mental game. But that's very compelling because you really are engaged physically and psychologically and you are in these places often where there's not even any visible sign of humanity. It, you know, it's like deep in the mountains and it's kind of amazing in the Western Cape especially that you can actually be as the crow flies, not that far from a town or whatever, but actually practically you're extremely remote because if something does happen, it's a long way to walk out. It's a big wall you got to get down, and actually you're quite exposed. Um, and so that's that is great in terms of the adventure quotient. You know, it really makes you feel like you're out there and you're having a completely um, a, an experience into which you completely dissolve and you're very present in that and so it's it's a, a very fulfilling experience because um, you'll come back and you're worked you're you're done I mean you're really your whole body is tired even your smiling muscles are tired some of you may be thinking what I'm thinking how on earth do you go about finding a way up these giant walls recently Gareth and two friends Sam Nightingale and Richard Halsey have laid siege to the biggest big wall in South Africa, the Slangok Amphitheatre. They have been busy opening giant routes, which are so long that it requires two days to finish. And you have to sleep overnight halfway up the cliff face. 
I bumped into the guys when I was on a recent hike in the area. The, the area you're talking about is, is on Slunghook, which is a, a big mountain just off of the Toys Cliff Pass. It's uh, between Worcester and Ceres, there's a Slunghook Valley named after the, the mountain. And uh, this cliff you're talking about is called the Slunghook Amphitheater, which is tucked away in this little pocket on the side of Slunghook, which you don't really see from anywhere except just before you're going over the Mitchell's Pass towards Ceres. If you look back, you see this huge orange amphitheater. And that's actually just the top of the amphitheater because it extends right down into this bowl that's sort of hidden from the rest of the world. And so um, not a lot of people know about it. You actually sort of have to walk to the cliff itself to be able to see its full majesty. But um, there, was a, there was a route there. I mean, this is a, a famous problem in South African climbing that people have been to this wall and gone like, wow. Because it's sort of 450, 500 meters high and it overhangs for most of its, of its height. And people had been there and been like, wow, that is, something's got to go up there. But, um, and many of the top climbers over the years have, had tried. And we're talking now in the, in the 80s and 90s. And everybody had sort of been beaten back at a certain stage by the giant overhangs. Until uh, in the early 2000s, uh, um, the, the, the Davies brothers, Hilton and Dave Davies, with a friend of theirs, Matthew Sim, went there and decided, no, this, this has to happen. And they basically laid siege to this wall and set up a camp at the bottom and went, spent, I think, 14 weekends or something uh, over the period of two years, slowly making progress. I think I have my numbers right there, but it was a, a lot of time. Um, inching their way up this wall, trying to find the weak points. And eventually they, they, they got through and made this route, route called the Private Universe, which is a very fitting name for this hidden bowl. Anyway, um, over the years, people have often gone and done this route. Well, not often, but I mean the people who are able to, to do this climb. And everybody is just sort of amazed at spending time in that place. And everybody who went and do it, did it, myself included, sort of looked around and gone, wow, they, they, there's so much climbing here. There must be so many possibilities for new routes here. Um, and so, but we, we'd never gone back and, and actually uh, done it <coughs> until uh, some, some foreign climbers, Hilton, asked Hilton uh, Davies, you know, is there something amazing to do here? And he pointed them at, at Private Universe and they went there and had the same experience and were, were really good climbers and went back and spent some time putting up a new line. And suddenly all of us locals were like, wow, that's what we, that's what we meant to do, you know? And, and here these um, hotshot uh, international team had come and done it. And, we, and while we were impressed with their effort, we felt a little bit like we hadn't, you know, we'd been irresponsible by not putting any effort in ourselves. Anyway, I took a, a friend of ours, a Sam Nightingale, who kind of uh, gave another friend of mine a sort of prod, you know, and, and this started this, uh, the three of us going there and, and developing a whole bunch of routes. Um, at the same time, uh, another, the, the friend of mine, Andy Court, who'd, who had t talked about doing the Three Peaks adventure in Woods and Peaks, had, had done Private Universe and looked up and because it's a horseshoe bowl, had seen the potential for stringing a line right across the top and of course he's a big highliner and, and very good at that and also a little bit of a nutcase so he thought wow look, you could actually string a line across and then make a t-piece off that and do this crazy rope swing
Um, but yeah, so it's this little corner of the mountains. It's fantastically beautiful and it was sort of unknown, but it really has become a bit of an adventure playground for us because we've been putting up new routes and people have been jumping off there and highlining and uh, it's just fantastically impressive and just really scary but also beautiful and just awe-inspiring and it's just fantastic to spend time there so we've become sort of slungok nerds you know and it's sort of become our little escape from reality and we go out there for days at a time and i mean putting up the climbing routes is very onerous and uh, involves a lot of plotting and yeah, the roots are long. So you, you're sleeping on the wall and there are these little ledges and little caves that we found. And we've got to know the environment and the little creatures and just, you know, the, the whole environment is really beautiful. So yeah, it is a sort of world apart. And after a couple of days out there, you know, you, when you, you leave and you're sort of heading back to reality, you are sort of grizzled and, you know, you got this glint in your eye, you know, because you're so satisfied because you maybe you've put up a new route or, you know, I'm not a highliner, but just even watching these guys walk this line, I mean, you can, you, you really get a buzz from it. It's just seeing a video of it's like, <laughs> yeah, full on anxiety and excitement. It's like, um, and, and when you climb that wall to set up a route, so like, how how many days does it take to to climb and set up a route and and what do you sleep in? How much gear do you carry? Like you have to like drill holes or do you just mark routes or like what what are you doing? Well, the wall's mostly a, a tray climbing wall, meaning that you're going to bring your own gear and you're going to put it in and and remove it after as you go up. However, there's certain sections where it's pretty blank. Even if there's some holes, little edges, you can't really get gear in or whatever, or, or anything in, in a crack or something. So if there's, um, if it's just going to be a bit of a long fall into space, well, that's sort of kind of safe, even though you're going to be scared, you, you, you're probably going to be fine. But if you're going to, if there's a little ledge or a, something you could hit, then it becomes pretty dangerous. And so then in that kind of a situation, we'd put a bolt in there to protect that little section before you can once again start using your your natural gear so yeah there's um there's quite a lot of planning that goes into that you've got to figure out a line that is continuous up the whole wall you're trying to keep the grade vaguely consistent so that someone who's able to climb a certain grade can see what the grade is and manage to to do the whole route at that grade you're trying to figure out how someone carrying all their camping equipment, if it's going to be done over two or three days, can haul their stuff up, get a little ledge where they can sleep and then, you know, pack up and climb the pitch and then leave these ropes hanging and then haul the, the bag with all their stuff up and inchworm their way up the walls to the next little position where they can sleep uh, for the next night. And so there's a lot of sort of technical planning that goes into that kind of exploration or or route opening um as i mentioned uh, with with two of my friends uh, Sam, um richard halsey and sam nightingale we've sort of formed this little posse that you know have just sort of taken on this this task of opening some of these lines and uh we joke because uh, richard otherwise known as the the squawk um is a uh, very analytical and 
loves poring over images and you know thinking where lines might go and, and he he calls it nerding you know so he's off nerding trying to think of what might happen and uh, Sam always likes to tell us what he ate the night before by the sounds coming out of his bottom <laughs> and so we have this joke that our little team is the birds the nerds and the turds <laughs> but um, yeah we almost sort of calling the root that but anyway that's our little joke about our endeavors there but basically what it does take is a lot of planning a lot of thinking about it and then just a lot of time on the wall checking to see does it go how hard is it does it need any extra protection um, even just getting into the wall is difficult because it's so overhanging that you're having to put a lot of equipment and gear in to keep yourself in touch and it's really scary as well because anything that pops or you know you're swinging around and there's this massive exposure the whole time and so it's it really is quite an undertaking i mean our little group is is called uh, the, the slung hook is the snake corner masochists because it, <laughs> it is a form of masochism just to spend hours in your harness trying these these um different options and stitching together these roots but the payoff is that once you've got this line and eventually you've got to figure it figured out and then you go down to the bottom of cliff and you climb it all the way through, it's immensely satisfying. And how many routes, or uh, have you got a favorite route there that you've laid out and a name to it that, that, we, that you want to boast about? <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, um, Sam and Richard went and put up a really magnificent route called called Moonshine Corner. But I would say, uh, personally, my favorite one is the one the three of us did together called Meteor, which is really a fantastic route. It's, 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 it's quite hard. Uh, in, in, it's got a couple of pitches that are really quite hard. The grades are 25. But the thing is, you can actually get through it by hanging on the gear if you need to, if you can't free climb it. So it's not as intimidating as it needs to be. Um, you could sort of cheat your way through slightly. But the variety of pitches is incredible. The position is incredible. The climbing is incredibly high quality. You can do it over three days with uh, uh, two nights on the wall in beautiful little ledges, fantastically exposed little sleeping spots. It's um, very overhanging, so it's quite easy to haul your stuff up. And I mean, it's just an incredible experience because you're in, really in another world. Um, and the it's just climbing pitches after beautiful pitch and just the variety is one of the best things you're in corners you're on faces you're in cracks it's got everything you want really um it's called meteor because while we were trying to open it uh, one of the gentlemen who was in woods and peaks tier uh passed away um it was quite a shock to us because he was quite a close friend of ours and he's also a, a big slunghook fan spent a lot of time there himself and so we sort of thought the the name meteor for this route was was great because we'd sort of include his name Tio in the name as a, as a sort of way of just remembering him and his um, association with cliff how do people get to see the work that you do um and how can we view some of these films yeah, so I have um, uh, films available online to view. Some of them are free to view on YouTube, etc. under my name, Gareth Bird. With three R's. With three R's. Um, I also, w Woods and Peaks, the film I spoke about, is available uh, video on demand. It's uh, 
it's like uh, four or five dollars or something. You can watch that great film. Um, yes, it is a little charge, but I mean, it's a local movie and it's a fantastic adventure and uh, it's a very small amount of money to pay for some local film. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that those that film and a couple of others screened in a film festival I put on called the Vertical South Film Festival, which is a collection of local mountain adventure films that uh, we put on uh, end of last year and will be happening again. So if you're interested in outdoor adventure film, local outdoor adventure film, uh, come along to the next Vertical South Film Festival. That's a great place to soak up some of these stories we've been talking about. Um, my Instagram handle is Globular Bells, and that's where I put up a lot of my mountain imagery and 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 climbing stuff. So if you want to see some funky pictures of um, the South African outdoor environment, give us a follow there at Globular Bells on Instagram. Yeah, otherwise... On our doorstep, within one hour of Cape Town, is an incredible richness of mountains. It's insane. Um, yeah, so so yeah, follow along this for to see some some of what your backyard has to hold for you when you get your adventure quotient up a little higher. And that's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. You can find Gareth's adventure films online by googling Gareth Bird, but remember his name's spelt with three R's. This podcast is produced by Telltale Media, and I'm your host, Blake Dyson. Oh yes, and before we go, we have some exciting news to share. Next week, we launch our first episode of our product and gear testing reviews. We're going to be testing some of the latest gear and giving it away. First up is the new Black Diamond headlamp sponsored by Ram Mountaineering. So head over to your favorite podcast platform, follow Keeping It Wild, share it with your friends, and make sure you stand a chance to win some of this epic outdoor adventure gear. Till next time, keep well and keep wild.